You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. and floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are here to help you with your home improvement projects, whether you are a do-it-yourselfer or perhaps a direct-it-yourselfer, need some tips to hire a pro to get the job done, whatever it is, we are here to do just that. 888-666-3974 is the telephone number, 1-888-MONEY-PIT. Give us a call right now, and we'll see what we can do. Coming up this hour, if you've made a visit to your junk drawer lately, you may have missed a seemingly harmless stash of common household items that can actually put your home at risk. And we're talking about batteries. We're going to teach you how a simple storage mistake has some homes going up in flames later this hour. That's a scary thought. And you guys, you know, there's nothing better than getting a good night's sleep. Well, that's what I've been told. I haven't had one in ages. (laughs) And that's really something that could be made a lot easier if you've got good quality bedding. So we're going to have some tips on how to buy luxury bedding at a bargain price to keep you and your wallet comfortable. And what would you do to avoid shoveling snow again. We've got a serious solution for anyone who's had enough (laughs) shoveling for one lifetime. And one lucky caller that we talked to on the air this hour is going to win a Dremel Micro 8 Volt Max Lithium Ion Cordless Rotary Toolkit got a lot of name and it packs a lot of punch. It's light and it's easy to transport so you can really use it wherever you're working. It's a power tool worth $89 but going out to one caller we talked to on the air this hour. So let's get to it. The number again, one eight 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 money pit Leslie, who's first? Robert in North Dakota, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? I have a friend who's uh, planning on building a, a horse arena, an indoor horse arena, uh, the place where we board our horses. Uh, it's going to be a very large arena. I'm sure they're going to inflate it well. There'll probably be some stalls inside, uh, dirt floor, so uh, for riding. Uh, so there'll probably be some bobcats, you know, in and out of there occasionally, changing the dirt out. And my question is, as far as heating, she's doing some research to try to find the best, uh, you know, cost-effective and efficient way to heat this. Uh, so far, I think she's kind of narrowed it down to coal. Uh, I mentioned to her about solar. Uh, I also mentioned geothermal. What, in your opinion, would be the best, efficient, and cost-effective way to heat this arena? So first of all, uh, when you talk about solar and and coal, you're talking about fuels. What kind of heating system does she want to use? Well, I think I suspect she might be using water. Uh, You know, I'm I'm thinking under the dirt, possibly a water type. uh, Yeah, I don't know how that's possible if you're going to have bobcats driving over that. I would think that's too heavy. What about, um, you know, some sort of uh, blowers? Well, yeah, like a forced air system. I mean, that's probably going to be something in, in, in line with that approach. Now, in terms of solar, what I would do is if I was building a barn, I would make sure that I designed it to take advantage of passive solar energy. 
So essentially, you would design the windows in the barn so that it captures uh, the sun, the sun in the winter and protects from overhead sun in the summer. So it doesn't overheat in the summer, but but traps some of the heat in the winter. The idea of passive solar energy as a design concept is something she definitely should look into. Uh, in terms of fuel, you know, it doesn't, the fuel is only part of the equation. It's really what kind of system you're going to use. So if you were going to use coal, I doubt that you're going to be using a forced air system. Okay. You're probably with a forced air system. I, I don't know that I've seen it coal fired. I've seen forced air uh, with wood fire. And I've also seen wood fired boilers where you have a wood fired boiler that would convert uh, to a hot water coil that air is blown over in the sense it's an air to air heat exchanger that way or a water to air heat exchanger. Okay. So you don't think the coal uh, as the energy source could maybe somehow work uh, with the forced air combined? It depends on what the heating system is. It's got to be properly matched with the heating system. Okay. If coal's readily available and there's a system that's designed to work with it, then it could be a fine fuel, but it really depends on what the system is. It is readily available. It's about uh, probably 10 miles down the road from where she's going to build this, this facility. Uh, I see why she's interested in it then, yeah. If I was you, I would focus on the system first and the fuel second. And if you want to use coal as the fuel just make sure you have a good, efficient system in which to burn it. All right. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it and love your show. Now we've got Maria in Delaware on the line who needs help with a paneling painting project. So you got a new house, and it's got a lot of it, huh, Maria? It sure does. Um, you know, about 25 years ago, the paneling was probably very popular, but um, I'm really tired of looking at it. We tried painting one room, and, um, you know, we sanded it a little bit, primed it, and painted it. I'm okay with that, but my husband is not because you can still see the grooves through the paint. So we were wondering if there was a way to take care of those grooves, maybe spackling it or whatever, but we didn't want the spackling to later flake out or chip off and and cause more problems than we already have. So hopefully you know of some way that we can do this without just taking all the paneling down. Yeah, anything that you're going to fill in is just going to come out just like you think. So really the best thing is to either sheath over it with, you know, like a a half-inch drywall or take the paneling off and put drywall on. Okay, a half-inch drywall. So how would that affect the molding that we have? I mean, all that would have to be replaced as well, like around windows, everything? Yeah, you'd have to pull that off. The thing is, what you might want to try first, though, is just removing the paneling and seeing what's underneath it, because there might be a halfway decent wall underneath. And if, if, if you're lucky enough to find out that the paneling was not glued to those walls, then maybe you can just repair the wall, spackle the nail holes, fix any tear, torn areas or any other damage, and then just paint the walls again. Because that paneling was often nailed on with like a very thin ring nail. Yes, it was nailed on. I can see the nails in that. Yeah, it usually pulls off pretty easily. So I would, the first thing I would do is pull that paneling off. Nothing you put over that paneling in terms of there's no, no way to really fill it in because I know what you're asking us to do. But there's no way to do that because it's going to crack and fall out and it's going to look worse than it does now. So if you don't like the painted look and you want to go back to uh, just a clean wall, I would take the paneling down. You know, do it one wall at a time, one area at a time, until you get the hang of it. And this way you can almost not do any molding work whatsoever, because generally that stuff's cut around the molding, or you can cut the paneling really tight to the molding and leave it there. Okay, thank you both so much for your help. You're very welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. 
Now you can call in your home repair, your home improvement question, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-888-MONEYPIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, no idea what's floating around in your junk drawer? Well, that goes for most of us. But there's one thing you need to take out today before it causes harm to your home. Find out what that is after this. You live in a money pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. MONEYPIT. The Money Pit is presented by Pavestone's easy-to-stack Rumblestone Rustic Building Blocks. Create any outdoor hardscape you can imagine to instantly add old-world charm. Available at the Home Depot. For more information and product instructions, visit pavestone.com. 
Making good homes better. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are here to help you with your home improvement projects, but help yourself first. Call us at 1-888-MONEY-PIT. And if we talk to you on the air this hour, you could win the Dremel Micro 8-Volt Max Lithium-Ion Cordless Rotary Toolkit. Yeah, it's small and portable enough so you can bring it to any workstation or work site without sacrificing power. And the Dremel Rotary Toolkit's docking station keeps its battery charged so it's ready to go at a moment's notice. Check out the Dremel online at homedepot.com. It's a prize worth $89 available at the Home Depot. And it goes home with one lucky caller we talked to today. George in Arkansas, you've got the money pit. What can we do for you? Trying to get some insight, maybe uh, to get an idea for what I can do to replace my driveway. What I have is the entrance of my driveway where the sidewalk portion is, is concrete. Then beyond that is asphalt. And the problem I'm having with it is that the asphalt has been worn down over the years. I couldn't tell you how long it's been there. It's a rental property. And the asphalt is, is worn down. It's uneven. It's lumpy. And it goes about 30 feet. And then towards, towards the end of the driveway where it meets up with the dirt that is my yard, it's crumbling and falling apart. So I'm wondering what can I do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the entire driveway out this summer. But I want to replace it with a material that is going to last for a while, that doesn't break down, and is fairly inexpensive. And I'm trying to avoid concrete. That's the only other thing that I can think of. So what would you suggest? So first of all, you can't blame the asphalt. Because if you think about it, you know, roads last a really, really long time, and they're made of asphalt. So why is it that your driveway failed, but a road doesn't? Well, the reason is, is because the the roadway is properly installed. If you have the right base put in under that asphalt, your asphalt driveway can last indefinitely. But a lot of times folks don't take the time, trouble, or expense to put in the right kind of crushed gravel, well-tamped-down, properly excavated base under the asphalt. And as a result, you get this sort of lumpy, deteriorated mess that you're looking at right now. So you're doing the right thing, tearing it out. But I think putting in a new asphalt driveway properly installed will be less expensive than concrete uh, and probably less expensive than pavers, I'm sure. The only other thing that you could do is just go with a stone driveway. But of course, that's kind of a maintenance headache because once you go with stone, you always have to add more. What do you think about possibly doing a brick driveway? Well, that's when I say pavers, that paver brick is what I'm talking about. And I, I think that if it's a long driveway like you're describing, you, know, you can price it out, but it's going to be pretty expensive. But again, the same same issue applies. You've got to prep it properly. If you don't have the right base, those pavers are going to move and you're going to get weeds in between them and everything else. Right. Okay. So my best bet would be to go ahead and replace it with another asphalt driveway, but have the base done properly. Exactly. If I was... Okay, I want to do the base myself, so what's the process I need to go through to prep, to prep the base properly so that the asphalt doesn't fail? George, there's actually an excellent website that you might want to take a look at to review how asphalt should be installed, and it's the National Asphalt Pavement Association website. It's simply at asphaltpavement.org, and if you go to asphaltpavement.org slash driveways, you find all the information right there. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 888- Money Pit. Now we're going to Iowa where Kathy is on the line with a flooring question. Kathy, how can we help you with your project? Well, my son is purchasing his first home and the home was built back in 1930. And the carpet that is in the home is 
newer carpet, but the owner was a heavy smoker. And we are going to have to pull the carpet out. And we found that the backing that is um, underneath of it is probably original carpet padding from 30, 40 years ago. And it's adhered to the wood floors. And they're uh, like hardwood floors? Um, They are hardwood below, yes. Okay, so a couple of things. Um, First of all, you need to pull the carpet up. You need to pull the tackless up. That's the, the nail strips that hold it down. You're going to have to scrape up the old padding that's sticking to the floor as best you can. And you would use floor scrapers for that or, or like a paint scraper for that or even sometimes a, a spackle knife or a putty knife will uh-huh. work. And then you're going to have to refinish that floor. Now, if some of the the pad sticks to it, if you really can't get it clean, uh-huh. then I would use – and actually, I would hire somebody to do this because sanding a hardwood floor is a tricky business if you've not worked with the equipment before because uh-huh. you can easily ruin the floor. The belt sanders that the professional floor finishers use for these are very heavy and hard to maneuver, and they take a lot of material off very quickly. So if you don't mm-hmm. know how to handle it, you can dig through the floor uh, you know, before you know it, and you've ruined it. Yeah, I don't even know if the floor below is salvageable or what you know, condition or type of wood hardwood flooring it is. Well, you may find that it is salvageable. Very, very often those old homes had good quality flooring underneath, and then the first thing people did was put carpet over it, which made for a great, a great you know, drop cloth in the last 80, 90 years. So you may find it's in good shape. You might also find that it's not oak, but, but Douglas fir, which is equally beautiful, although it's a bit softer. But in either event, have the floors sanded professionally. If you can restore them, I think you'll be very happy with the results. Okay. Well, thank you. Well, we've all done it, shoved a bunch of stuff into closets and drawers to get clutter out of sight. But there's a chance that when you straighten up, you might be putting your home and family at serious risk. Yeah, odds and ends sitting around your house can go up in flames if they land in the wrong place, like too close to heat sources. So never use your home's furnace and water heater area for extra storage. These rooms are usually small, and storing anything at all in them is not advisable. And the National Fire Protection Association recommends nothing flammable should be placed within a three-foot range of heating equipment. That includes rags, half-empty paint cans, and that random stuff you just might have stored near your hot water heater right now. Take a look. Get rid of it. Yeah, and speaking of flammable, there have also been reports of house fires starting when a 9-volt battery comes in contact with everyday metallic objects like a paperclip or a thumbtack, even batteries that you thought were dead. Good tip. So before you toss those 9-volt batteries into a junk drawer, you want to place insulated tape over the battery terminals to keep the electrical current in its place and not cause any fire hazards. 888-666-3974. Leslie, who's next? Joe in Pennsylvania is on the line with a plumbing question. Welcome, Joe. When the kids are taking a shower, what happens is you pull the tub up, you know, the drain thing, you pull it up, and then what happens is when you pull that up, then they can, you know, you can take a bath and it shuts it off. Right. Well, then when you get they get done or whatever to let the water out, you got to push it it down. Well, it doesn't stay down and then it pops back up. And so sometimes we wet a washcloth and we'll put it on the end of the little knob to push the thing down. And sometimes that'll hold it, but sometimes it just pops up and then you're stuck waiting on it for it to drain unless you sit there and hold it down with your hand. Joe, 
in that type of situation, what you need to do is to disassemble the assembly of the stopper. And that usually starts uh, by loosening the screws, which hold the overflow assembly in place. There's, is there a metal plate on the back of the tub? So that metal plate, usually you take that apart and you pull the assembly out and then clean it. And sometimes you've got to scrub it with a toothbrush to get everything working properly again because it's getting hung up. And that's why it won't open again and drain the tub out without you holding that thing down. You'll often get like a calcium deposit on there from the water stains or sediment you know, or soap scum. There's a lot of gunk that gets in there. But if you take that apart, remember how you took it apart because you're going to put it back together the same way and clean it. That should solve it. All right. Thank you. Pat in Louisiana is on the line and needs some help with a cleaning project. What can we do for you? We had our carpet cleaned about a year ago. And in this bedroom, we have a heavy, clear plastic mat that goes underneath a computer chair. Okay. Well, recently, I moved it over a bit, and I noticed that it was wet underneath it. There's no leak okay. in the roof. Water hasn't come in the house. So the only thing that can be is a year ago... The water from the carpet cleaning surface got underneath this mat, and it's been there all this time. Hmm. Okay. So we cut out a large circle, like a five-foot circle, and got all the part out that was wet. So we're going to have to replace the carpet and the pad. But on the concrete, the bare concrete, there are some spots uh, of discoloration. So I don't know if that's mold or mildew. My question is... How do I clean that concrete before we have the new carpet installed? The concrete spots, if, if anything, are mineral salt deposits. It's not mold. Okay. And so it's it's really cosmetic at this point. If you, you can wash it down with a vinegar and water solution, it'll melt the mineral salt deposits away. But the other thing that, that occurs to me is sometimes concrete will draw moisture into a house. And so if anywhere near that area outside, you've got water that's ponding or, or collecting, it's possible for the, the concrete to sort of draw that moisture up into the slab and across, and it may not have been able to evaporate where the pad was covering the concrete, which is why that area stayed damp, whereas the other area dried out. So there may be a different explanation as to why that stayed wet. One of the things that you might want to do since you have the carpet pulled all the way back is to paint the concrete. Uh, paint that area with an epoxy paint that will seal in that concrete and stop some of the evaporation if the moisture is being drawn through it and up into the floor surface. So should I, we paint the whole room? We don't have all of the carpet up yet. We just cut up cut up the middle part. Well, if you're going to take all the carpet up, then paint the whole floor. If you're only going to take part of it up, then just paint what you can get to. But I would definitely paint the floor. Okay. Hey, are you sick of shoveling out your driveway after every single storm? Well, we've got a long-term solution for anyone serious about hanging up that shovel for good coming up. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Making good homes better. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. 
Well, you know, we've been talking about getting home smarter, you know, more home automation and technology that not only makes things easier, it also helps you save money. High-tech thermostats are now going a step further than just being programmable. Right, Tom? Well, that's right. And we saw several of them at the recent Consumer Electronics Show. And what's exciting is that some of these HVAC companies have been around for decades, and they're really now embracing how technology can improve comfort, safety, and the bottom line for everyone involved. And while I was at CES, I actually spoke with Brian Mitchell from Carrier. Now, Carrier is a company that actually invented air conditioning 100-plus years ago about their new thermostat that called Core. Here's what he had to say. At Carrier, we understand through our more than a century of experience how our heating and cooling system works most efficiently. So when you use the Core thermostat, what we're able to do is save you on average about 20% in your home heating and cooling costs because we understand how to best optimize the heating and cooling system. So a clock setback thermostat is obviously a technology that's been around for a long, long time. How does this sort of step up what a basic clock setback thermostat would do? This learns your behavior. It understands the outdoor temperature and uses those two behaviors, the outdoor temperature and your personal behaviors, to time and create rhythms that create the greatest amount of efficiency. Yeah, it's got a touchscreen display that's modeled after mobile phone technology. And not only can you operate your HVAC system right from your smartphone, you can actually monitor your system. For example, you'll get an alert if your heat or your air conditioning is not working for any reason. That's good to know. Core is available through your local carrier dealer, and it's compatible with just about any system, not just carrier. You can learn more at carrier.com slash core. That's carrier.com slash C-O-R. Matthew from Massachusetts is on the line with a tiling question. How can we help you today? I recently got a tile floor installed at my parents' house. It was a gift for my brother and I. And uh, when they came and put it in, I don't think they used the right underlay for the tile. And so within a couple of days after installing the tile, it was shifting a little bit and the grout was cracking. And we asked them to come back and do it, but they said they were going to redo it using the same materials. And I just wanted to make sure that for a pier and beam house with a wooden plywood floor, uh, what what type of material they need to put down before they put the tile on? Because they put down some sort of felt material. Yeah, that was that was probably just tar paper before they put the tile down. What did they do to prepare the surface of the floor mat besides this this felt like material you're describing? Did they put a, any kind of a of a wire mesh down like a concrete co- uh, coating on top of that? Uh, they they sanded the floor and then I think they put thin set concrete and then they put this whatever this flexible fabric stuff was on top of that. Then they put the mortar on, and then they put the tile. Now, when you say it's starting to shift, are we getting uh, movement of the tiles themselves, or is this cracking just in the in the joints? I think the, the tiles themselves were, a couple of them were cracking. Uh, well, they you'd step on it, and another tile next to it would move. Yeah, this is not good. This is not good at all. So what are they offering to do when you say they're going to redo it? Are they going to take up all the tile and start again from the start, from the top? Well, it's been kind of a struggle because we've been uh, you know going back and forth with them, and they said they were going to come back, bring the same crew, use the same materials, and redo it with you know a manager there to supervise. And we were kind of you know insisting that they have uh, that they use the concrete uh, concrete board or or whatever the backer board and actually kind of go through all the, the proper steps that we'd researched. And um, they were a little reluctant to do that. I think we finally got them to agree to that, and then they were saying they were going to do, you know, a 10% discount, maybe a 20% discount. But it's really uncertain 
you know, what they're going to do to actually ensure the quality when they come back and do it again. Right. Well, first of all, they blew the installation. There's no doubt in my mind about that. The only reason these tiles move is because the base under them is not solid enough. And, you know, a lot of this has to do with what size tile it is. How big is this tile? What's the diameter? Uh, 12 by 24. Oh, yeah, that's a big tile. And the bigger the tile, the stronger the base because tiles don't bend. So if I was doing a 12 by 24 tile, I would do this on a mud floor, which basically means I would start with a plywood floor, I'd put down tar paper, then I'd put down wire mesh, then I'd put down anywhere from an inch to two inches of of a uh, sort of a, a cement sand mix, and that's what's called the mud, and that gets that dries rock solid with no movement, and then on top of that, you would glue the tile, and then you would grout it. It sounds to me like they didn't put down the proper base and if they had a problem with the base that was there, it was their responsibility to identify that for you and say, listen, you're t- this tile is not going to work on this floor for the following reasons. So is this something you bought through a tile store? For Is that why you're getting this level of cooperation? Uh, well, no. We went through one of the uh, the national flooring chains. Okay. So you've got somebody you can kind of go back to and have a conversation. Because if this was your average tile guy, I'm sure they would be gone by now and <laughs> not answering your calls. So it's good that you're working with a national chain, but I do think it's pretty clear that they completely blew this installation and it needs to be redone. Now, whether you have the same crew do it or not, you know, that really depends up depends on them. But I say that it would be in their best interest to put not only the, not necessarily the same crew, but their best crew on this and to make sure they take the added steps of putting in the proper base for this. Because unless you do that, it's not going to stick. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's what I expected. Thanks a lot. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Still ahead on the program, are you looking to get a few more Z's? Well, we've got tips on what you should be looking for in luxury bedding coming up. You live in a Money Pit. The Money Pit is presented by Pavestone's easy-to-stack Rumblestone Rustic Building Blocks. Create any outdoor hardscape you can imagine to instantly add old-world charm. Available at the Home Depot. For more information and product instructions, visit pavestone.com. Where home solutions live, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. We're here to take your calls, your questions about do-it-yourself projects in your house, or if you're not going to do it yourself... Perhaps you need some advice on how to hire a pro to get the job done. All questions welcome at 888-MONEY-PIT. And one caller who gets on the air with us this hour is going to win the Dremel Micro 8-Volt Max Lithium-Ion Cordless Rotary Toolkit. That's right. You know, the Dremel's lightweight, but it's super big on power. And it's designed for you to hold it just like a pen or a pencil. So it gives you extra control when you're working on detailed projects or in a tight space. It's prize worth $89. And one caller we talked to on the air this hour wins make that you pick up the phone give us a call at 888 money pit now you can check it out at dremel.com or at your local home depot but give us a call right now with your home improvement question and your chance to win at 888-666-3974 william in illinois is on the line with a heating question how can we help you with your project i live in the midwest here in illinois i've got a smaller house about 1100 square foot it's got a addition on the front of the house that is about 12 foot by 10 foot, something like that, relatively small room. It's got a pretty good-sized window facing the road. 
it's on a foundation, but it's not attached to the garage, and it's not heated. I don't have a heating duct running out there. It's attached to the attic space, which is insulated. That room gets it gets cold in the winter and hot in the summer, and I wondered if I just ran a heating duct out there, if that would be enough, or should I put a vapor barrier down, or should I knock a hole in it to attach it to the basement, or you know, get up under there and insulate and then run a heating duct, or what? First of all, whenever you have a standalone space like that that's that's pushed off the rest of the house, you have more exterior surfaces, so you have more ways for the basically that building to chill. Adding insulation is always is always a no brainer. Adding insulation to the floor, adding the insulation to the attic, making it as insulated as possible is good. Now, you ask, can I add a heating duct to that? Maybe depends on a lot of things. Depends on the existing layout of your of your HVAC system and whether or not you can get a properly sized supply and return duct to that space. Uh, does this room get heat from the rest of the house, but just not enough heat? It, it doesn't get anything right now. It, it has just a door. It was doesn't get it anything. Used okay. as a bedroom at, at, in the summers, I guess. So what I would do is I would consult with your HVAC contractor to see how difficult it would be, to, and whether or not uh, the pro thought you could get enough BTUs into that room to provide enough uh, heat. And I don't know if it includes air conditioning or not. If if not, the other thing to look at is what's called split ductless. Basically, you would install uh, what is essentially sort of a miniature heat pump uh, right outside the, the wall of that house, and you would hang on the wall um, a register that has the fan built into it, sort of a blower unit, and that can supply cold air in the summer, and that can supply warm heated air uh, in the winter. And that would basically be a separate heating system for that room, a separate HVAC system for that room, um, but uh, it's it's easier than trying to sort of extend sometimes the core system of the house. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, yeah, it sure does. All righty. Well, I will look into both those options. Great, William. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, if you swore you'd do anything to avoid shoveling out your driveway again, here's the real test. Are you willing to invest in a heated driveway? You know, they're not cheap, but they handle the job while you stay warm inside. Yeah, and here's how they work. A boiler, which is basically the same kind of boiler that might heat your house, it pushes antifreeze through pipes that run beneath the driveway surface, keeping it warm enough so that the snow never even collects in the first place. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, the system isn't something that can be retrofitted, and it can't work with existing pipes either. So your upfront cost includes a new driveway since your current one is going to need to be dug up. And it's an expensive thing to install, so start by comparing the price of the cost of long-term snow removal. It might be more cost-effective if you just hire a plow to haul away the snow each winter. But if you live in a snowy area or a luxury upgrade is what you're looking for, a heated driveway is one your neighbors will notice because it will be the only snow-free driveway on (laughs) the block. And prospective buyers, of course, will appreciate it as well. Nancy in Oregon needs some help with some spring cleaning. How can I help you today? My siding gets green on it, mm-hmm. and so does the riser on my stairs. And north flower beds get lots of moss in them, and I was wondering how to keep the moss out without harming the flowers. Okay. So this is a very common problem, and especially when you have shaded areas, when you don't have a lot of sunlight getting to a space, typically can get a lot of algae and a lot of moss. 
Now, one way to deal with this is with a, a mixture of bleach and water, but that can definitely kill your flowers. Mm-hmm. There's another product out there that is more effective and much safer. It's called Wet and Forget. Wet and Forget. Now, that's for the stairs and the siding. Yeah, I mean, it really is a great product because what you do with it is you just sort of spray it on the surfaces, which would be your siding and the staircase, and then you just let it sit there and do its job. As it gets rained on, as it just sort of sits there, it works to get rid of the mold, moss, algae, mildew, whatever is there. And it works in a way that it sort of just stays there and will continue to work over time. You're going to put it on. You're not going to see it happen right away, but give it, you know, a couple of days a week and you'll see it start to go away and then be gone. And it's usually around 35 bucks a gallon or so. And you can find it at Ace Hardware and, you know, other types of shops like that. And it's a great product. So you put it on full strength? Yes, Nancy, it's a concentrate. So what you need to do is you want to dilute it about two and a half cups of the wet and forget two gallon of water. And again, you just apply it within a few days, you'll start to notice it working and that'll really do the trick. Now, for your flower bed, I think what you really want to do is try to get more sunlight into the flower bed because that will deter the moss from growing. Obviously, it's a shade garden, so that's kind of what happens in that space. You'll get moss, and you probably have plants in there that do well or best in shade. So if you can get a little bit more sunlight in there, that will truly help to get rid of that moss. Well, wet and forget sounds like a good thing to try. Say, are you in the market for some new bedding? Well, you might be surprised when you look at the prices. Before you go dropping a boatload of cash on expensive sheets, you need to know which sheets are worth the extra money for those extra Zs and how valuable those Zs are to you. We're going to tell you all about it after this. You live in a body pit. Money Pit is presented by Leviton, the brand most preferred by builders for wiring devices and lighting controls. With a focus on safety and convenience, Leviton products are the smart solution for all your electrical needs. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And you can get more Money Pit whenever you like it and wherever you like on Facebook. Just head to Facebook.com slash Money Pit and click like. Going to get some tips on prizes, projects there, facebook.com slash moneypit. While you're at it, you can post your question, just like Devin did from Iowa, who writes, My house was built in 2013, and I want to ensure a dry basement for many, many years, especially since I plan to convert it into usable living space. Precautions I've already taken include sloping the yard, no landscaping around the perimeter, great gutters, and drainage. And one last step before finishing it is waterproof paint. Is it worth the time and the expense? You know, in your situation, Devin, it absolutely is worth it because, and only because you've done everything else right. You've sloped your grade away from the house. You've got gutters. You're extending the downspouts. And that's a situation where I do recommend damp-proofing paint because the only thing left is sort of the natural soil moisture. And if you put damp-proofing paint on the block walls, you're going to have less evaporation of that moisture into the basement area, which is what makes it feel damp. So because you've done everything else right, I do think it's a good idea to add the damp proofing paint. There's a variety of formulations out there. Choose a good name brand product, put on a couple of coats of that, let it dry thoroughly, and you'll be good to go. All right. Good luck with that basement project. It sounds like it's going to be a really nice extra space in your home.
Well, with the busy schedules that most of us maintain right now, we have to fight hard to put down the smartphone, shut the laptop, and just go to bed. And once we finally get there, we need the best sleep we can get. Leslie tells us how to do just that in this week's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Yeah, you know, one key factor that I think a lot of people forget about is that luxury bedding can really go a long way towards getting a good night's sleep. But wading through all of those thread counts and fabrics really in itself is enough to make you take a nap. So before you drop a lot of dollars, which is very possible on upscale linens, you need to know exactly what each one will offer and what their drawbacks are. So first off, let's talk about bamboo sheets. You know, they aren't just soft. In fact, they're so soft that sometimes they're compared to cashmere and they're actually going to get softer the longer you keep them. But if they're from China, and most bamboo sheets are, there's a chance that they could be coming from an uncertified factory. So skip bamboo sheets if all of this uncertainty about where they're coming from will simply keep you awake at night because we're trying to get you some good night's sleep. The other thing I think a lot of people hear about is organic Egyptian cotton sheets. They're very sought after, and with good reason. They're very soft, durable, and breathable. So they're really good for a person who gets really warm in the middle of the night or is a night sweater like my six-year-old son, Henry. But if you love the look of a crisp bed, you're going to want to pass on the Egyptian cotton because it will wrinkle very easily, and your bed's going to kind of always look unkempt. So unless you're ironing that top sheet on a daily basis, you're not going to be really happy with what the bed looks like. Now, as far as luxury sheets go, cultivated silk sheets, they are the ultimate in softness. But even if you can afford to splurge on this expensive bedding, and it is expensive, the long-term cost might be more than you bargained for because silk sheets, they are very easily damaged by a jagged toenail or fingernail or even just the rough skin on your heels or your elbows. And forget about using your washer or dryer to clean them. Silk sheets will need to be hand-washed or dry-cleaned, and they have to be air-dried. So you might be losing some sleep just over the maintenance of that (laughs) bedding itself. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) I'm sure it's all worth it. 888-666-3974. Coming up next time on The Money Pit, hardwood floors. They're not going out of style anytime soon, but there are new colors and wood finishes that are making their mark this year. We're going to highlight some of the hottest floor colors of the season on the next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone.